I know, I know. I thought I was done with all of the whale stuff too, but as one probably could predict with nature in its very spontaneous and surprising spirit, we are not done with the whales. Hey, and welcome to I'm Adopted, Now What? A podcast where we talk about all things race, culture, and identity, one chat at a time. This is for people who want to get real, get deep, and figure out, now what? I'm your host, Liza. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, people. I am back with another quick bonus episode. It's so funny because when I put out the first bonus episode about the orcas and whale culture, I really thought that was it. I didn't expect to be back so soon with another bonus episode, but here we are and Mother Nature has surprised me again because I am back with another short episode about a whale adoption story. Except this time, we're not talking about orcas, we are talking about beluga whales. Now, as I mentioned in the first bonus episode that I did on this whale uh, series on Disney+, Plus on Nat Geo, whales have culture, and that is what the entire series, what all four episodes are about, how each species of whale has its own unique culture in within the larger whale culture, which also exists and which also is talked about. So I'm watching episode three. It's called Beluga Kingdom. And again, it's at the end of the episode. They're talking about beluga culture and how special it is and how cool it is to observe. And I guess beluga's like cold water so a lot most of the episode takes place around the arctic which is where the belugas call home but it's also where a close cousin of the beluga the narwhal calls home too it starts in lancaster sound in canada in the frozen arctic inlet uh, and the narwhals travel from the inlet which is their home west across Canada about 800 miles over the course of, you know, like six, eight months to warmer water. Now, while belugas and narwhals are close cousins, they actually don't come in contact with each other very often. And so it's on these, you know, yearly migratory routes where they may once in a while, once in a blue moon, cross paths. We know, or science, the world of science knows that belugas and narwhals are known to cross paths, especially around feeding grounds and feeding zones and birthing zones. It makes sense that they need the same environments for all of that stuff. Both belugas and narwhals eat like 50 to 60 pounds of seafood a day, except the narwhals kind of hunt in the lower levels of the ocean while the belugas kind of stick to the upper sphere. 
Uh, so it's cool that I think they've kind of, by accident, figured out different zones uh, that they can each kind of dominate. It's weird. It reminds me of the movie Dinotopia. I don't know if anyone out there has seen that movie, but if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about with those pterodactyls and the stones and like the different zones and in in the in the giant canyon. Yeah. If you know, you know. But anyway, moving on. So Sigourney Weaver, the narrator of the whole series, is talking to us about narwhals and how cool they are and how they have their own specific culture that is different from belugas, even though they have so much of this stuff in common. Uh, For example, in this episode was the first like filmed narwhal nursing. Like no one has ever filmed a baby narwhal nursing from a mom before until this episode where it was caught on camera. And just other really cool, fascinating, unique uh, narwhal stuff. So if you're interested in all of that and the beluga culture as well, which plays closer toward the beginning of the episode, I definitely recommend you watch from the beginning. But the adoption piece kind of begins around the 30 minute mark. So again, closer to the end of the episode where the narwhals are migrating to the west towards warmer waters and one of the narwhals in the pod gets lost after several wrong turns he finds himself in unknown uncharted dangerous waters and you know the prospects for this narwhal are not looking great okay but then this this pod of male beluga whales come along because he has seemingly drifted into beluga whale territory unknowingly and nothing bad happens like the belugas don't attack him or anything like that they're just kind of checking each other out and earlier in the episode uh one of the things that Sigourney Weaver mentions is that belugas seem to have such a sophisticated culture in especially within their communication skills that they actually each have unique names for every individual whale within their own pod, which I think is crazy because a beluga whale pod can be as large as 75 to over 100 whales. And to think that they have discovered different ways to communicate and identify each whale individually is human-like behavior. No, that requires so much intelligence. Anyway, so I just wanted to say that because when the this pod of beluga whales comes across this lost narwhal, scientists have come to think that belugas and narwhals, because of both species-specific communication skills, can actually understand each other on a basic level. Uh, You know, they have communication basics. The belugas can clearly see that this narwhal is alone and scared and in need of help. And if the belugas don't adopt this whale, uh, this narwhal, into, into their pod, then, you know, the narwhal is likely going to die because he's in uncharted waters and he doesn't know how to hunt in this area. That also is important because where they end up, the narwhals and this uh, beluga pod, after the migration is 
in St. Lawrence, which is off the western coast of Canada, I think. And it's one of the busiest shipping, like container shipping lines in the world. So there's ship noise all the time in the water around there. And the belugas are used to it because they have been migrating to this specific spot for generation after generation. But the narwhal hasn't. And so, you know, when with all of that boat noise, you can't rely on your echolocation the way you would normally or the way that he would normally. And so it's really important that the belugas adopt him into their pod because they can teach him how to fish and get food in different methods that, you know, are not affected by the noise of the ships going by. So the scientist who is documenting this kind of first look at a possible whale adoption follows them for their entire migratory journey and when you know at the end it's winter and so the science crew and everything has to go back home and they can't stay in the arctic circle you know during the winter so winter descends and at that point no one knows really what the fate of the narwhal is whether he'll be accepted into the beluga pod or not and whether he'll be alive in the spring or not so as you can imagine the show kind of fast forwards to the spring and the science the same science group that was following them before the winter has caught up with them now that winter is over and lo and behold the narwhal is still with them which is a clear sign to the scientists that he has been fully accepted into the beluga pod and is is embraced as one of the gang this is the very first time this type of long-term cross-species adoption has ever been recorded and it, that is a big deal because that is just a small drop of insight into this whale culture that I keep talking about that the show talks about and highlights. It's just one small insight into an entire world and culture that has yet to be really studied in any full capacity because we're just kind of finding this science, you know, right now. Uh, in real time. So it's very exciting, especially for an animal lover like me. If you love animals out there and you're listening to this, then I am pretty sure you will understand and also be excited and probably will have watched this episode already. But yeah, I just wanted to share this as another bonus episode because, I mean, I was just very surprised when I you know, continued watching the series and whoa, here is another story about a whale being adopted. And, you know, so I went from not knowing that whales did that at all ever to learning about two different instances where that happened, like in the course of three days. So again, it's just driving my point home that I made in the first whale bonus episode that adoption is everywhere. And it's a lot more common both among humans and whales, both above ground and under the water than people think. And I just, I think it's so cool. And I think it does a really good job of highlighting 
the idea that whatever preconceived notions you have about adoption, regardless of whether you're an adoptee or not, there's always room to learn more and to expand your knowledge about something and gain more insight into a topic that is important and special. So yeah, I think I'll end the bonus episode there. I don't want to get like too preachy about it since I feel like I did that a little bit in my first whale bonus episode. Plus these bonus episodes are kind of just supposed to be spontaneous off the cuff, you know, me just kind of winging it out here and like talking about what I'm thinking. So again, if you're interested in any of the whale stuff, it doesn't have to be the adoption stuff in particular. Like if you just like whales and you like watching nature documentaries or something, which is totally me, uh, it's called, the whole series is called Secrets of the Whales. The first bonus episode was episode one, Orca Dynasty. And today's bonus episode was from episode three, Beluga Kingdom. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you on Friday. Thanks for listening to this episode of I'm Adopted, Now What? Hosted by me, Liza. If you liked what you heard, then please be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Leave a good review and share this episode with a friend. If there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on a later episode, DM me and tell me all about it. You can do that and find this podcast on Instagram and Facebook at imadopted.podcast. See you there.